Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. Resurrection of dead dreams. Resurrection of dead dreams. A dream is an aspiration. There are several definitions of dreams, but for today's purposes, a dream is an aspiration, a hope, or achievement that is deeply longed for. Every one of us grows with something that is on your heart that you want to do. In our childhood, we have exciting dreams about the future. Some want to build great things. Some want to see amazing things happen in their lives. Some of us grow with expectations about our career, our families. And sometimes we set timelines and say by the age of 30 or 40 or 50, I will be at this point in my life. Those are dreams. But sometimes along the line, those dreams suffer for one reason or another. We find ourselves at places in our lives where we say the dreams and aspirations of our hearts, the things that we wanted to do, are not happening the way that we want them or the way that we expected them. You look at the timelines that you set and you said, by now, I would have preferred to be here, but I'm not at that point. Dreams sometimes are challenged. Resurrection is revival or resurgence. Something is revived when it has gone cold or dormant or inactive. Resurrection is also bringing back to life something that is dead or dormant. And we are trusting God that those dreams that have gone dormant will come alive again in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You want to turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. And want to read a story of somebody whose dreams died and experienced the resurrection power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Luke is in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You want to go to chapter 7, you're reading from the 11th verse, and it says, Now it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak. And he presented him to his mother. Then fear came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding region. May the Lord add his blessing to his word. Amen.
This was a day after the healing of the centurion's servant. And Jesus and his disciples, accompanied by a great crowd, made the 12-mile journey from Capernaum to a little town along the slopes of Mount Tabor called Nain. And they arrived about sunset at the same time when a man was being carried to his burial. And the events that ensued and the encounter between Jesus and the people that he met threw up certain interesting dimensions that are instructive for all of us as we speak today about the resurrection of dead dreams. The first thing that we notice is sunset. It was customary in Jewish tradition to bury people at sunset. And they typically will carry the person in an open coffin with a face towards heaven and take the person to the burial grounds outside the gate of the city. And when they get there and they complete the rituals, they would nail the coffin and then that is it for the person. Sunset represents a transition between day and night. Sunset represents the time when you have finished your work in the day and you are about to start the night. Sunset means day over, game closed. If you're a banker, when the sun sets, you balance your accounts and you close your work for the day and look forward to the next day. A trader will typically take stock of your sales in the day and count either your profits or your losses and prepare for the next day. Sunset in the stock exchange means that they will ring a bell and call a few dignitaries and announce what has happened in the day. When they ring the bell, it simply means that whatever you came to do today, if you've done it, fine. If you haven't done it, well, maybe another day. Sunset is a signal that the work of the day has ended. Interestingly, Jesus Christ gave a dimension of sunset in John chapter 9 verse 4 when he said, I must work the work of him that sent me while it is day. The night comes when no man can work. What was he saying? He was saying that to every assignment, there is a time span that is allocated to that work. And that work must be completed within that time frame or something called night will come. And when night comes, you cannot do that work anymore. There are things that are on our hearts that we believe we should have accomplished by a certain time span or time frame. And looking at our lives, we feel that we are being timed out or that time is passing and we have not as yet been able to accomplish those things that are on our hearts. I can imagine a farmer who has rented a tractor with all his money to plow 10 acres of land. And the hiring is from morning till sunset. And if that farmer is plowing and by 5 p.m. he has covered only three acres, he's bound to feel a sense of urgency and desperation because the sun is setting and time is almost up and the work is not done. For several of us here, are things on our hearts and we feel that time is running out for the accomplishment of those things. Jesus Christ said, the night comes when no man can work. Sunset represents a time when the work is done and we must move on. 
The second thing that the Bible throws up is a town called Nain. It is mentioned only once in the Bible. And that was the point of the first resurrection miracle of Jesus. The name Nain means pleasant or lovely. Other interpretations call Nain green pastures. I can imagine that there is significance in a name. And so if a place is called pleasant or lovely or green pastures, then everyone would want to live there. I can imagine that sometimes in your life, people look at you and they say, oh, you live in this part of the city, therefore life is good for you. You live in Maine, so it is well with you. You alone know what you are going through, but people form a conclusion that once you are in Maine, it is well. Maine could represent some countries that have high commissions or embassies in very nice parts of this city. And in the morning when you are driving to work, you find a long queue of people trying to get a visa to go to Nain. Lovely, pleasant, green pastures. As to whether the pastures are green on that side or not, we don't know. But we know there is a queue to go to Nain. So Nain represents a beautiful place. And everyone wants to come to Nain. At the gate of Nain, something interesting happened. A gate is a place of separation. When you build your house, you put a gate on your wall or you build a wall and put a gate there to separate those who live in the house from intruders or unwanted people who will be outside the house. You don't want thieves to come through the gate. You want to secure the house from unwanted elements. The gate separates those who are inside from those who are outside. The gate is a signal that you want that which is good to be in and that which is unwanted to be out. A gate is also a place of authority and decision making. Indeed, in those days, the parliament sat in the gates, the elders sat in the gates. That is why in Proverbs 31, verse 23, speaking about the virtuous woman, the Bible says her husband is known in the gates because he sits there among the elders. In that place, important decisions are made. And this morning, in the year of worship, as you come before God, as you enter his gates with thanksgiving this year, God is about to make an important decision concerning your life. Hallelujah. The widow in the gates of Nain experienced a miraculous turn around and God is about to do the same in the life of somebody in this year of worship. Hallelujah. Bible says that in the gate there were two great crowds. Indeed, the day before an awesome miracle had happened When the centurion said, don't bother to come to my house. Just stand where you are and speak. And my servant will be healed. And it happened. Just before that, there had been the sermon on the mount. So obviously, the disciples and the big crowd that followed Jesus had had a wonderful couple of days. They were coming into Nain, rejoicing, celebrating, sharing testimonies. 
That was one part of the crowd. One crowd was jubilant. Everything was fine. They were patting each other on the back and talking about how great the experience had been. But there was another big crowd. Another crowd, which Bible calls in verse 12, a large crowd from the city was also exiting Nain. One crowd was coming into Nain, one crowd was going out of Nain. This crowd was carrying something that was now unwanted. Something precious that had died. And they were discussing the events preceding that burial service and talking about how cruel life can be. Sometimes in our lives, we experience contrasting fortunes. At a time when you are thinking about the greatest challenge in your life, at a time when you are thinking about how things could have been and they are not, that is the time when somebody is sharing their greatest testimony. And sometimes you look at the person sharing the testimony and you wish they would keep quiet. Because it is a total contradiction of the circumstances in your life. Sometimes somebody's testimony is a pain for you because it's a reminder of the stark circumstances of your life. Two great crowds met at the gate. One crowd was jubilating and one crowd was mourning. And in the midst of these two great crowds was somebody. Somebody who you would call the chief mourner. Everyone had a sense of loss, but there was somebody whose loss was deeper than everyone else, and that was the widow woman. This woman was so much in grief that she didn't talk. Several of the miracles of Jesus were occasioned by a cry for help. Bartimaeus cried out for help. The woman with the issue of blood stretched out and held the hem of Jesus' garment. This woman could not talk. She had so much pain, so much disappointment, so much terror because of the issues she was grappling with. Why was she crying? She was crying because she had lost loved ones. She was crying first because she lost her husband. And in the very patrilineal Jewish society, the economic activities revolved around the man. And so having lost her husband was a major emotional as well as economic tragedy in her life. But there was a problem. Her son had grown up to be an adult man. And so she was looking up to that son to provide some support at the time of her greatest loss. But guess what? That son that was also, as it were, like a backup, had also died. This was a woman in deep distress. She was emotionally troubled, but economically disenfranchised. If you look at the book of 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1, there was another widow with similar troubles. The Bible says that, and the wife of one of the sons of the prophets came to Elisha and said, your servant, my husband, is dead. And the creditor has come to take my two sons away as slaves. Let's work this. This woman has lost her husband with all the challenges that come with it. And has two sons who she's looking up to 
to help shore up the family's economic situation. And the Bible says that the husband died in debt. And so not only are her financial arenas blocked, but the alternative arrangement that she has is also being taken away. The two sons were being taken away, mortgage for the husband's debts. And she cried out to Elisha. Let me ask a question. If the widow whose sons were being taken into slavery was crying, what should the widow who has lost her only child do? That explains why the woman was crying. She was crying because in her mind, she saw herself as dying. She was crying because in her mind, it wasn't only her husband who was dead and her son who was dead, she saw herself as living but dead. Widows in those times were beneficiaries of the surplus of other people. The generosity and kindness of other people. They didn't have the economic independence that it takes to start your day, know what you will do, and live out your dreams. Her dreams were being carried to the cemetery. Friends, sometimes in your life, sometimes in our lives, we get to a point where the thing that you cherish most, you know you've lost it. And you know that in a few minutes' time, there is finality. You bury it and you will not see it anymore. There was something you've always wanted to do in your life. You've thought about it, you've dreamt about it, you've worked towards it, but somehow you either lost it to somebody. You bid for it and you lost it. You tried hard and you didn't get it. Or somehow you just couldn't match up to what was required to get what you wanted. And you are looking at finality and the future is not certain. In the case of this widow, she felt that her past was better than her present and her future. A few years before, the husband was alive, the son was alive, the future was probably very bright, but at this point, she was looking to the future with no hope. So the past was better than her future. In the book of Ruth, the Bible talks about another widow who had a similar challenge. The woman called Naomi left Bethlehem to go to Moab because it was said that there is more prosperity in Moab. This was a time of famine, so she went to Moab with great hopes, expecting a turnaround. But the experience in Moab was a total contradiction of her expectations. Her husband died, her two sons died, and the financial and economic prosperity she was expecting didn't happen. And so she set off to go back to Bethlehem. And the Bible says that as she approached Bethlehem, the people saw her coming and they rejoiced and called out and said, Is that Naomi? Now the name Naomi means pleasant. Is that familiar? Name. So they called out and said, Is that Naomi? And she responded and said, Don't call me Naomi. Don't call me pleasant. Call me Mara, which means bitter. And she added, for the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. She asked them, why call me Naomi? I went out full and I'm coming back empty. Sometimes you look at the past and it looks like it is full and you look at the future 
and looks like it is empty. He said, don't call me name. Don't call me pleasant. Don't call me Naomi. Don't call me blessed. Sometimes the circumstances of our lives put us in the position when other people call us blessed. We say, don't call me blessed. How can you call me blessed? Looking at what is going on around me. That is why the woman was crying. Why do we cry? We cry out of desperation. The feeling that we are trying our best and we can't make it. Why do we cry? We cry out of frustration. The feeling that our efforts are not enough. Why do we cry? We cry out of uncertainty. So what if tomorrow I don't know what I will eat? Why do we cry? We cry because our hope has been taken away. Why do we cry? We cry because we say, why me? You look around you sometimes and other people are fine and you are not fine and you say, why me? Several years ago, I was standing with Pastor Sebosu at the car park at the Kolebutichin Hospital. We had gone to visit somebody and we saw a woman crying. She had lost her only child and she was crying out for the dead child. But she said something very significant. She said, they've got me. And we asked her, who has gotten you? She says, you don't understand. They've got me. And we said, why? Now, this was a woman who lived in a compound house and she had an only child, a daughter, who she was investing all her life into. And according to her, her daughter was going to preparatory school and most other parents in the community or in that house, their children were not going to preparatory school. So they felt she was doting on her daughter and giving her daughter too much. When she gives her daughter food, they say, hey, you are giving your daughter rich food. Essentially, everything she did for her daughter, it was as if she was giving too much to her daughter and there was a comparison between what she does for her daughter and what they were doing for their children. And so, in her words, they have spoken and spoken and spoken and spoken and spoken and now my child is dead. As we tried to console her, she said something. She said, I am not going back to that house. We said, why? She says, what they will say, what the people will say. Imagine somebody who has lost a child. The pain of the loss of the child is not as important to her as what society will say as a result of her loss. This was a woman in great pain. Sometimes life can be cruel. When you read the story of Job, in the midst of his challenges, Eliphaz came to him and said, you know something? Nobody goes through this without committing a sin. There must be something you have done. When a person is in trouble, that is when people give various interpretations about what you may have done to have brought you to the place where you are. But today, we serve a faithful God, we serve a merciful God, we serve a good God, and the mercy of God will triumph over judgment. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what you may have done to find yourself where you are today. It may be your fault, it may not be your fault, but the mercy of God is greater than any judgment. People may say you deserve to be where you are, but we serve a God of mercy and grace. And somebody will experience a turnaround today in the name of Jesus. The widow woman cried as she walked towards the cemetery, thinking about a future that was uncertain. The moment Jesus saw her, he didn't need for her to speak. 
He didn't need for her to ask. He didn't need for her to cry out to him. He felt it. The Bible said that the first thing Jesus Christ said to her was stop that cry. No more tears. No more weeping. Why? This morning God wants to tell somebody you may be weeping because of an economic situation that is not turning out the way you want it. A marital situation may not be going your way and you may be weeping, but this morning, no more tears. I came from God to tell somebody this morning, stop those tears. Stop that cry. Stop those tears because God has gotten your attention this morning. Hallelujah. The first thing Jesus said is no more tears. As long as you cry out, as long as you continue in your tears, you will not see the goodness and the mercy and the grace of God. When we cry, we cry like people who have no hope. But this morning, there is hope for somebody. The next thing he said to him, lift up your head. Why? When your head is bowed down, you cannot see God's provision. When your head is bowed down, there can be resources sent from God just next to you, but you will not see it. When Hagar was traveling in the desert with Ishmael, crying out to God for water, her head was bowed down, and Bible says she moved away from the child with fear in her heart that the child would die. But as she cried out to God, God said to her, lift up your head. And the moment she lifted up her head, there was water just next to her. This morning, as you lift up your head in faith, as you lift up your head above your troubles, as you lift up your head above your challenges, you will see a supernatural provision of God just next to you. Somebody's about to see a wellspring of divine water sent to nourish you in your time of need. Somebody's about to see God's divine provision in a supernatural way. God sees, God knows, God cares, God can, and God will intervene in your situation. Sometimes we, see, we think God does not see, but God sees. We think God does not know our situation, but God knows. We think God does not care, but God cares. We think God cannot help us, but he can. And sometimes we think he can help us, but he will not help us. I came to tell somebody, God sees, God knows, God cares, God can, and God will intervene in your situation. There is a divine visitation from God coming into your life coming into your family, coming into your business, there is a divine visitation that is about to turn your life around. Hallelujah. Jesus was filled with compassion. He felt the woman's pain. This was somebody who had nobody. This was somebody who had nowhere to turn to. Interestingly, as he observed the woman and he felt the compassion for the woman, there was also a connection because his mind, his heart, his spirit traveled into the future a couple of years ahead when his own mother will be experiencing the same thing, watching her own son, her, her, her beloved son being buried, dying on the cross and being buried. And there was a connection. He felt how his mother would feel. He looked at the widow and he saw his own mother and there was such a connection that even without the woman asking, he just connected to her need. This morning, there are things on your heart you may not have asked the Lord. 
there are deep-seated things that are buried in the crevices of your heart. Some of them so painful, so shameful, so pressing that you don't share them with anyone, but the Lord knows them. And the Lord feels a connection to your situation and a connection to your need. And even without you asking, God by his spirit is connecting to you in a unique way this morning. Jesus connected to the widow. He drew near to the coffin and he touched it. The moment he touched it, the procession towards the cemetery stopped. Some things are about to stop in your life today. The touch of the Lord is about to stop some things. Some things that look like they were going towards finality. They were moving in only one direction are about to stop because of one touch from the Lord. Just one touch. Just one touch. One touch from the Lord is more than enough to turn your situation around. The moment he touched the coffin, the post stopped. No more movement towards the cemetery. They stopped. And when they stopped, he spoke one word. Just one word. One touch, one word, arise. This morning, the word of God to somebody is arise. This morning, it doesn't matter how dangerously poised your situation looks. It doesn't matter what seems to be dead in your life. It doesn't matter how people have ruled you out and said you are going in only one direction towards the grave. The word of God to you this morning is arise. Arise in your life. Arise in your health. Arise in your business. Arise in your faith. Arise in your work with God. Arise! This morning, God is telling somebody, arise. 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 You will not be buried. You will not be buried. Your dreams will not die. You will not experience the shame. It has been predicted, but it shall not happen. Arise, saith the Lord, to somebody in the house of God. One touch, one word, arise. Tell somebody next to you, arise. Tell the person, it is time to arise. It is time to arise. It is time to arise. Tomorrow when you wake up, don't bow your head down. Tomorrow when you wake up, don't look like it was yesterday. Yesterday may have been tough, but tomorrow is bright. Arise. Tomorrow when you wake up, arise, 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 arise. And live out that dream. Your dream will not die. You will not be put to shame. It has been predicted. It has been discussed. But God is merciful. And God is gracious. And God is abundant. He's the El Shaddai. He's able to provide. It may look like it is too big, but nothing is too difficult for our God. This morning, arise. Arise in your heart. Arise in your spirit. It's a new season and it's a new day. One touch, one word, arise. 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 You're praying for your child. You're trusting God for a turn around. It's not looking good. Arise. You're believing God to start your own business. You don't know how to go about it. Arise. You're trusting God for employment and asking God to come through for you. Tomorrow when you wake up in the morning, don't just wake up like somebody without hope. Arise. It's a new season. It's a new day. Arise. Arise.
there was a turning point from that very moment. It was a turning point. The Bible says that the moment he commanded the young man to arise, the young man sat up right in the coffin. It was an open coffin. They were carrying him to the cemetery so that they could nail the coffin. The process was halfway through, but at the word of the Lord, the young man sat up in the coffin. (laughs) Somebody is about to sit up. Somebody is about to arise. The same people who were carrying you to your grave. The same people who were carrying you to your destination. That was not looking nice. Bible says that the moment the young man arose, they were carrying him on their shoulder. He was alive and yet they were carrying him. In the part of the world where we come from, there is only one category of people who are carried on the shoulder. I don't know about you. But when I see somebody in something being carried on the shoulder and the person is sitting in that thing, that person is not a dead man. That person is a king. That person is a chief. Somebody's coffin. Somebody's coffin is about to be turned into a palanquin in the name of Jesus. Somebody's about to be carried from glory to glory, from glory to glory, from glory to glory. From glory to glory, somebody's about to be carried in the name of Jesus. A few minutes before, you were being carried to your grave. But when the Lord turned our captivity from the graveside, you are being carried into glory in the name of Jesus. There is a turnaround in this place for somebody. There is a turnaround in somebody's life. There is a turnaround in somebody's family. There is a turnaround in somebody's ministry. We serve an awesome God. Yesterday, it was impossible. But today, God is making it possible in the name of Jesus. Your dream will live again. Your dream will not die in Jesus' name. Spirit of the living God, energize our hearts once again. Spirit of the living God, let there be a lifting up of your people in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Bible says the testimony of that miracle spread abroad. The testimony of that miracle spread throughout Judea and all the surrounding regions. I am sure that a couple of days before, an obituary had been pasted in the same area. This woman who lost her husband has also lost her son. And it was being discussed. That was in the town of Nain. But when the Lord turned it around, the testimony went beyond Nain. The testimony went beyond Galilee. The testimony went beyond Judea and the whole surrounding regions. I came to tell somebody today that the thing that God will do in your life, it will be broadcast beyond your small locality. It will be broadcast in the newspapers. God is about to lift somebody up and your testimony will be on radio. It will be on television. It will be discussed and men and women will say this one, it could only have been God. This morning, may somebody be encouraged. Your dream will not die. 
God has not finished with you yet. The beginnings may have been challenging. Yesterday may have looked impossible, but the God of mercy and grace is telling somebody in the house of God today that your tomorrow is better than your today. You may not see it with your eyes. You may not understand what God is doing, but the awesome nature of our God is that the things you cannot see, God is already working in the spirit. This morning, one touch, one word. Arise. Shall we rise up? Oh, come on, it's time to arise. It is time to arise. It is time to arise. Yesterday is gone. Another day has come. It is time to arise. The pain of your past cannot hijack the promise of your future. We want to sing our strength, thy grace, our rule, thy word, our end, the glory of the Lord. It shall be well with you. Yeah. Our strength, thy grace, our rule, thy word, our end, the Our strength, our
This morning, arise in prayer. This morning, for just a minute, arise in prayer and begin to declare that your strength is the grace of God. Begin to declare this morning that the rule is God's word. Begin to declare this morning that your end shall be glorious. Your end shall be beautiful. Your end shall be powerful. It shall be well with you. In the name of Jesus, lift up your voice. Speak to God this morning. It shall be well with you. In Jesus' name, your strength is God's grace. Your rule is God's word. Your end is God's glory. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice and declare. It shall be well with you. It shall be well with your family. It shall be well with you. In Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the resurrection of dead dreams. This morning, on the altar of worship, we declare that you alone are God. You are God alone. Our trust is in you. Our hope is in you. Our help is in the name of the Lord. For the Lord our God is mighty. This morning, we give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. And we arise, we arise, we arise and declare our tomorrow is better. Our tomorrow is beautiful. Our tomorrow is glorious. Our end is the glory of the Lord. In Jesus' name, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Rejoice, 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 rejoice in the Lord. Go to five people, tell them, arise. Shake somebody's hand, tell them, arise. Tell them your end is the glory. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Please be seated. Please be seated. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert N. E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences, and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus two three three two four nine 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 nine. Zero zero zero. You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember you are blessed indeed. No more, sir.